A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thank you very much indeed, as always, for being here. As you can hear from my voice, I am not in what you would call tip-top shape. I've been unwell pretty much all week. Started feeling bad in the early hours of Tuesday morning. Woke up. Couldn't get back to sleep. Had that terrible thing where, I don't know if this happens to you or not, but if I... If I can't get to sleep or if I wake up and I can't get back to sleep, my brain goes into this kind of, I don't know if you call it overdrive, but it's sort of, there's a lot going on. And then it gets fixated on one thing and it's usually a song, a piece of a song, not just a whole song, but like just a snippet of a song over and over and over. And you're lying there going, oh, fuck, shut up song. I don't even like this song. Why is this song going around in my head? Pretty much everybody you talk to, um, or I've spoken to anyway here, is like, oh, yeah, you're sick. Yeah, I had that last week. Or my wife had that last week. Oh, the kids had that last week. Yeah, oh, I know. My aunt had that. She's been in So there's some kind of cold or respiratory thing going around. I did obviously do a test for COVID, came up negative. I did another test, came up negative. So it's something else. It's not flu, I don't think, because uh, if it was flu, I would be lying down uh, on my face and I would not be talking into a microphone, I can tell you. So it's some kind of cold thing. And it's, you know, jolly unpleasant. But hey, hey, there are worse things in the world, I guess. And uh, I'm just feeling maybe a a little bit sorry for myself, which I think I'm entitled to do on my own podcast. Nevertheless, we have a show for you today. And obviously it's, what's the word I'm looking for here? Precludes? No. Preludes? It's, fuck. See, this is what, this is what happens. My brain doesn't, it's a prelude to the return of football, perhaps. That's what I was trying to say. I had the words in my head there a second ago and then they went, anyway, football is back. On Monday, we play West Ham on December 26th after the break for the World Cup and everything else. So there's plenty to uh, get our teeth into, not least of which is an interview that Mikel Arteta did with Jamie Carragher on Sky Sports for Monday Night Football, which of course went out on a Wednesday just to, just to keep everyone on their toes, I guess. I mean, I know the Monday Night Football thing, is it? That's the name of the show, but it's the name of the show because it goes out on a Monday. And this was a Wednesday. Why I just call it Wednesday Night Football? I don't think uh, there'd have been too many complaints, would there? The Monday Night Football name aficionados, MNF stands, might have risen up and uh, taken to social media to express their displeasure. As the wise lady said all those years ago, ain't nobody got time for that. So with me, to look ahead to the return of football, to talk about the Carragher stuff and to talk about a few of the bits and pieces that Mikel Arteta raised, not raised, but spoke about in his press conference today, it's Andrew Allen. Hello, Andrew. Hey there. It's nice to be back. Something to talk about. Yes. Football. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Have you you sort of psyched yourself up for what's to come? The nonstop, relentless worry and nail-biting and everything else that's going to be the, the second half of this season? Yeah, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm already feeling kind of like the basking period is over and now we're into the hopes dashed period, maybe. We'll see. But (laughs) I'm bracing myself. Full of festive cheer today, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) You know it. I just haven't had a drink. It's too early in the day so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, it's... it's, uh... It's getting dark out the window here, so I think that is the, the, the cutoff point, isn't it? Once it gets dark, you know, in the winter, that seems fair enough, particularly in the the sort of long days of winter. Um, we'll talk a bit about Mikel Arteta and what he talked about at his press conference today when he was looking ahead to, to West Ham, because there are obviously some issues, some bits and pieces when we think about transfers, when we think about the squad and, and all the rest of it. But um, 
you are now an expert in the uh, Jamie Carraher, Mikel Arteta interview, having done a, a 6,000 word transcription for Ars Blog News. And uh, I thank you, as I'm sure many of the readers do as well, for, for doing that. Um, I, I'd like to make it clear I didn't make you do that in any way. Um, <laughs> if no, people think I'm some kind of bastard for me, do a transcript of that. Um, yeah. No, that was all self-punishment. I say punishment. I mean, I sat down to watch it and I was always going to watch it and maybe make a few notes because I knew we were going to chat about it. And then mm. one thing led to another and I just sort of started in the middle, worked to the end and then thought, well, now that I've got to the end, I better go back to the beginning and transcribe that as well. So it's done. It's good to have these things on the record. I did something similar for the Michael Calvin interview that he did. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think secretly in the back of my head, I'm thinking, well, if Arteta turns out to be a real success, it'd be good to document all of this just in case we want to do a book. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we've got it there now. That's great. Um, that's, as does everyone great. else, though, in fairness, who might want to do a book about Michael Arteta. So you yeah. just, you know. Fucking stop that right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guys, hands off. Hands off. Even though these words are in the public domain. Um, yeah. What was your... What was your impression of this interview i thought it was really interesting because there were so many facets to it you know from talking about his move into coaching some of the tactical elements of it and and you know what he sees as his job and his remit at arsenal um you know the more i see him look i've always been impressed with him when he talks you know, the first interview he ever did at Arsenal where he turned up and said all the right things and things that give you hope. He continues to do that, but he's doing it now from a slightly different position, isn't he? Where he's not looking at a football club that's in disarray, standing on the cliffs of doom, wondering whether or not it should chuck itself off. He's standing on one that's at the top of the uh, the Premier League table. And it does give you a slightly different perspective on the things that he says and, and how he says them. I mean, is it just a consequence when somebody has that kind of clear vision, that kind of idea of what they want to do and how they want to do it, that if you can execute that well, then the consequence of that is is a measure of success, if that makes sense. Like we could all have our own ideas, but you've got to be actually really good at the other stuff. You know, we can all talk about what the good idea is, but but putting it in motion, putting it in into reality is a different thing. Yeah, I mean I think I think what we're definitely seeing there is a guy who feels a bit more confident about his status as a coach because everybody is talking about the fact that Arsenal are doing well and the reason why they're doing well is because we're what three years into a, a five year plan that he started executing and he always said there were going to be ups and downs and we're now kind of moving in the right direction. So I think he was also quite relaxed. I think he, he you know, talking to a, a fellow former professional, I think maybe gave him that kind of room to to to, to talk on a sort of yeah, on a level playing field really with mm. someone. And I thought Carragher's questions were good. I thought the you know, I think there's there must be a shed load of stuff that they left out because, you know, the, the interview was effectively split into to three parts. One, a kind of chat about his background, a second bit where they were standing over the tactics board talking about Arsenal this season, and then some kind of quick fire questions in the third section. But, mm. you know, the stuff around the the tactics you imagine could have gone on for, for hours and there were players that they didn't talk about, including, I thought, interestingly, Gabriel Jesus, which I assume must have been put on the cutting room floor off the back of the fact that he's, you know, injured and stuff. Mm. So, um, but no, I thought, I thought it was really interesting. I mean, a lot of what we've heard, especially people like you and me who are kind of reading Arteta, you know, quotes all the time and, you know, have a pretty good understanding about what he's about at this point. You know, a lot of that information was out in the public domain already, but there are little snippets and it's interesting to see him talk in more detail about particularly some of the tactical stuff. I still think he was relatively guarded, you know, he's as he was in the Amazon documentary. I mean, I don't think you're going to find a manager like him going, I just want to tell the world exactly what's making Arsenal tick right now mm. because, you know, that's just a, a straight pathway to your own downfall. So, um, no, but by and large, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was a kind of interesting setup. I haven't seen him looking quite so relaxed. I assume it was, you know, in the last couple of weeks, this was done as opposed to right after the the Wolves game. Uh, but yeah, it, it was it was really interesting, and I think you know I I think particularly 
some of the stuff around the current setup. So Ben White, William Saliba, Zinchenko's purchase, the mm. Granite Xhaka stuff, all of that stuff was actually really, really interesting. Um, I don't, I don't know if there's anything particular we want to start around, but uh, I thought the fact that he basically said when Saliba came back, mm. I just, I just had to put him in the team, and knowing that Saliba was going to be there, he was also very much like, well, he'd had the thought about wanting to play Ben White right back already, yeah. obviously last season. That was something that he could then make work. Uh, he seemed absolutely desperate. I think there's a real link between the Granite Xhaka stuff, so real, real emphasis on unlocking something in Xhaka. Yeah. I thought that was fascinating, actually, when he was talking about, uh, about Granite Xhaka because he was giving a player who's been at the club for a long time, right, and who's had his ups and downs and all the rest, and we don't need to go over those. We don't need to document them again. Um, but what I thought was fascinating about this was the fact that he said to him, look, we obviously think you can do this. We need to unlock something in you. But if you can't do it, then we're going to have to, you know, look elsewhere, hmm. which I think is really an interesting piece of man management, isn't it? It's like, we want you to do this, but at the same time, if you can't, then, you know, we've got to, we've got to look to draw the curtain on your, your Arsenal career a little bit. So it's, it's kind of stick and carrot all at the same time. Yeah. And I think, you know, you probably use different tactics for different players, but someone like Xhaka laying down the gauntlet to him and basically saying, look, we think you can do this incredible role further up the pitch. Mm go and do it. He's the type of player who wants to learn. He's obviously very self-motivated. He likes a challenge. I think Arteta himself said he never, you know, there's a player there who never backs down. And that's mm. one of the reasons why he's getting picked by every single Arsenal manager. But yeah, he did. He basically said to him, I spoke to him at the end of the second season and said, I need to unlock something in your brain. You're so comfortable and confident playing in this area that you've forgotten that actually what is going to win us the game is up here in the final third. The team now demands somebody here. So unless you unlock that, I'm going to have to do something about it. And he took it straight away. <laughs> He's a very intelligent player. He came in preseason, fitter than ever, slimmer than ever. He knew that if he wanted to take the team to another level, we had to change his role. Um, I mean, talk about rising to the challenge based on what he's yeah. done so far this season. And to be honest, you know, I, I, I don't think there was many Arsenal fans out there who looked at Granit Xhaka and thought that's the role that he could, that's a role that he could play. I mean, we were so kind of um, programmed to assume he was a, a deep lying anchor uh, that the idea of him basically playing like Aaron Ramsey was, was yeah. Yeah, beyond my imagination. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so fair play to the manager. Um, but he also talked obviously about, you know, a lot of things being about partnerships around the pitch. And I mm. think, you know, being able to play Xhaka in that role necessitated having a, a, a left back who could play more inverted, obviously, Alex Zinchenko's been playing that, but also Tierney wherever possible. And all of that was then linked to being able to have Martinelli play, you know, on the on the line at the front, you know, mm. being able to get the best out of him. Uh, so it's all about connections. And I guess, you know, having also touched in the earlier part of the interview about the need to be pragmatic when he first joined and basically having square pegs and round holes, um, he has now, after three years, got to a point where, he has jigsaw puzzle pieces that actually fit together. Yeah. And I guess that more than anything kind of gave me confidence because I was kind of thinking, you know, I have, I think a lot of Arsenal fans probably think, what are we going to do without Gabriel Jesus in the next few months? But actually, when you think about it, if everybody in the team knows their role and everyone who comes into the team knows their role, more than anything, that will help on a day-to-day -day basis in a way that it, we just haven't had that in, for years. Yeah. And I guess he's built that kind of trust among these players and among this team to say, well, look, we don't have Gabriel Jesus, but this is how we're going to cope. This is the way that we're going to, we're going to deal with it. But I, I remember, and you'll remember as well, an interview he did some years ago where he talked about his ideal setup at Arsenal being uh, four three three, uh, And he said something along the lines of, we lack the specificity mm. uh, in terms of players to be able to do that. I think it's interesting that, we're now in a situation where I think he's got that for the most part across the pitch. And one of those spe uh, specificities, if you like, has come from 
uh, an internal solution when we talk about Jack and, and, and the way that he's done it. Uh, and as you say, the reason Xhaka can thrive in that role is because you do have that left back, whether it's Zinchenko, whether it's Tierney. That's why they were so after uh, Tierney. I guess to an extent, that's why they were after Lisandro Martinez as well to play at left back. He's somebody who also played in mm. midfield or is used to playing in central areas because very often the left back, when he inverts, is playing maybe where uh, a high up centre half might play. You know, so you can see that there was a plan there. For that, I mean, he he did touch. I think Carragher pressed on him about how far in advance he's planning, and he says, "Well, you you always want to know eighteen months ahead, you know how you want the team to look and feel, but you don't always necessarily." And I'm paraphrasing here. Recognize who it is who's going to be doing those roles because yeah. players surprise you. Some adapt, as has been the case with Xhaka. Some young players might come in and they're able to you know progress and develop in a way that we weren't expecting. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a there's an overriding philosophy and a sense of how do we control games and how do we control the pitch and how do we control the spaces on the pitch. But the personnel, you're never quite sure. And I think you know the Saliba situation this season is 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 definitely clear. I mean, it sounds as like Saliba came back in preseason and Arteta looked at one moment at him and was like, "Oh my god!" Like mm. the the development in the one year has been crazy. We have to use him. This gives us different options. Um, some of it's luck, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you make your own luck as well, I think, along the way. The Saliba stuff was interesting as well, wasn't it? Because he was talking about, like, a moment where he dribbled himself out of trouble. Yeah. And he basically said, yeah, he can do that, but why did he have to do that? Yeah. Because he made a mistake. You know, well, he, made, he made a mistake. And also he said, he basically suggested that other players on the pitch weren't. Yeah well placed so he hates center backs dribbling because it means that it means that the guys who are supposed to be in front of him fulfilling their roles aren't where they're supposed to be mm. he's basically just taking on the onus of of, of of making a pass by dribbling uh yeah i mean again really really interesting stuff uh so so presumably we won't expect to see too many of the center backs kind of carrying the ball forward like no uh, kind of big slaphead harry Maguire used to do no no i wouldn't i wouldn't have thought so i mean you mentioned martinelli there um and I thought it was very interesting where he talked about him, uh, you know, playing wide. That really stood out to me that, like, he said, Martinelli has to play on the last line and he needs to play wide because it's his quality. And Martinelli, when he's asked about what his favorite position is, he says it's wide, wide on the left. That's where he likes to play. You know, he can cut inside. We know the kind of um, danger he can pose from out there. But then when we do think about what we do without Gabriel Jesus, and I'm making the assumption here uh, that Arsenal aren't going to bring in a striker in the January window. I'd be really surprised if we were uh, in the market for a striker, unless there was somebody available on loan that we could bring in till the end of the, the end of the season. I don't see a splurging or spending money for a striker who, you know, could end up being like a third wheel and you've got a, you know, a big transfer or a transfer fee and wages and all that kind of stuff invested in a guy who doesn't really play. But at the same time, he's been quite clear about, you know, what he wants from the squad and how much more he wants from the squad. And, and we'll, we'll turn to that in, in a few minutes. But um, the clamor is clamor the right word, I'm not necessarily sure it is, but there is certainly a school of thought that Martinelli could play as a centre forward, and I can absolutely see it. I can see the kind of centre forward he would be. be very different from Eddie, for example. Maybe a little closer to Gabriel Jesus in terms of the energy he brings, but, I mean, do you think Martinelli wide is fixed, or is it a case that over the course of the couple of months when we're going to be without Gabriel Jesus he may well need to play the odd game here and there, um, you know, simply because we can't play Eddie in every game. I guess it's dependent as well on having somebody else for the left-hand side. Yeah, I mean, Arteta does at one point uh, say that all coaches need a quality and it's adaptability. Mm. And I suppose um, with Martinelli that if if necessary – he he might have to deploy him there. I mean, let's say Eddie Nketiah, God forbid, gets a knock in the first five minutes against West Ham. Emil Smith-Rowe isn't available. Um, who do you put up front to, to, to lead the line? And I mm. think everybody would be going, well, Gabriel Martinelli's a guy who's played some games there. He did 
so when um, Aubameyang was out a few years ago, didn't he? Scored that goal against Chelsea, and mm. um, you know, when as a, as a striker. So I think I think there's a sense that yeah, I mean, I could easily see it happening, but it's clear that Arteta would prefer not to have that as the as the option. But um, ultimately, if you can shift the way that the team plays and someone can play out wide and score their goals, I mean, Aubameyang scored all his goals from out wide. Thierry Henry scored a lot of his goals from out wide. You know, mm. being a central striker doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to get goals there above and beyond what you might get on the wing. Uh, so it might just be a, a sort of shifting of how the team looks to operate, which again is something that I could imagine from a tactical perspective, Arteta might see as a challenge, but one he'd be up for. The way he thinks about the game, he talks about, you know, from his uh, early days in Barcelona, how Pep Guardiola was like his idol from 15 when they first met and everything else. I thought that was funny where where he said, yeah, Pep called me at at 30. And he said, I want you, I'm going to do this thing in England. I want you to come in. Mikel Arteta joined Arsenal at the age of 29. So, you know, for Pep to be calling him at the age of 30. But it was was interesting to hear that he had done... um, you know, bits and pieces of work. Pep will call him up and say, you know, what would you do against this team? Or, you know, tell me about this team in England. Um, And I remember, you know, when he did leave, when he finished his playing days and there was a role for him at Arsenal to work in the academy, a coaching role, and it was there. And I remember, you know, there was maybe a bit of criticism of him for not going straight from his playing days here and, and going behind the scenes. But when you think about it, the ability or the the possibility of going to learn from Pep and going to learn at a team that's going to be competing on the highest front every season, that would be very, very hard to resist, you know? So even with your Arsenal blinkers on, whatever it might be, for Mikel Arteta, in terms of his own career, it feels like a much much more of a challenge, obviously, but the reward I, I suggest is probably much higher from taking that risk than it would have been than going and coaching Arsenal's under 15s or under 18s or whatever it is. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that or that can't be rewarding, but if your ultimate ambition is to become a manager, then uh, you know doing what he did, taking the pathway he took yeah. is obviously been of huge benefit to him and ultimately for us right now. I mean, look, there's, there's absolutely no doubt that Guardiola groomed him um, from a very young age, you know, not in a sort of weird way, but obviously there was, he spotted something in him and it was just like, this guy, I want, I need him. I trust him. I think more than anything, I trust him. And it was interesting that Guardiola was calling him up to get tips on English sides that Manchester City were facing, you know, or sorry, that Bayern Munich and Barcelona were going to face in the Champions League. You know, Arteta was already feeding into that. God knows how many times we played them over that period, but um, I, I, I doubt the calls were made straight to Arteta on those instances. But um, you know, I, what, what, what I find really interesting is that you know I had the pleasure of interviewing Arteta on behalf of Arsblog all those years ago, yeah. and when when I chatted to him, that was not a guy who seemed convinced that his future lay in coaching. You know, mm. he seemed quite reticent to commit to something which he knew would completely change his family or maintain a a kind of similarly upheaval for the family dynamic for a long period of time. But obviously Mm. something changed there and he decided, well, actually, this is what I want to do. His wife was fine with it. He realized that he could, you know, do all of that alongside being a dad. And, um, and it, and it accelerated quite quickly, but he's so much more confident. And I guess if you've been working with someone like Guardiola, and that person believes in you and you're given the freedom to be your own man and to grow in that space and work with incredible players. I mean, what an incredible introduction. What a confidence boost. I mean, who wouldn't want to be mm. handpicked by, you know, and, 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 and to have a mentor when you're that age taking on a new job and for that mentor to be arguably the greatest manager we've had in the modern era. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting story and obviously we're, as you say, we're we're benefiting from it at the moment. But I think what he saw in Pep is obviously this single-mindedness as well, which he's experienced firsthand, and an absolute belief in his own philosophy. And that 
maintaining that belief in that philosophy and not giving in when the naysayers mm. start kind of piping up left, right and centre has been absolutely fundamental to his ability to get through these first three years because as we know, he's had everything chucked at him, stuff that other managers have been through and stuff that no managers had ever faced before with the COVID pandemic and and, and, and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that is uh, an absolutely priceless education he's had. Yeah, he does like to bang the the sort of day by day yeah. drum, um, because Carragher asked him at some point. He said, "Well, he says he has like a, a a five phase plan, you know, to get where we need to get to." And you know, Carragher says, "Are you ahead or behind?" And clearly, we're ahead of mm. where uh, he thought we would be. But then he says, "You know, um, we have to take it day by day. That's the secret, and that has been consistent throughout, hasn't it? That even when things are going well." He's reluctant to get carried away is not quite the right word. I think he wants to give everyone their dues, you know, to give everyone their credit and everything else. But he will reiterate that next game, day by day, you know, one game at a time, all that kind of stuff. And and I think that's part and parcel of what you hear from his players as well when they when they talk about where we are and what we're doing. They're pretty consistent with their messaging on that too. Well, I, I think it's, you know, he has a five-year plan where he wants to take the club, let's say, and he has to have that plan to give foundations, especially with the owners, with the technical director. There needs to be some solid sense of everybody being and having a, a direction to, to head towards. But for the players, not, you know, from the get-go, not all of those players were ever going to be there after the five years, you know. It, it, their their day-to-day is really, you know, what's the next game? And I guess you have to appeal to them on a level where, the next day is the most important. The next game is the most important because that ultimately will decide whether or not you make the entire journey or not. Because if you're not good enough mm. or you're not paying attention or you you know, don't adhere to the non-negotiables, as was the case with some of the players, then then that's that. You, you, you can't be part of this. And it, again, I mean, he was very clear in the in the interview talking about the Aubameyang situation that it wasn't just Aubameyang. It was about several players and it was a general... Um, sense that you can't afford to have anybody and it doesn't matter what level that person is not pulling in the same direction any Mm. excess weight stops the boat from going faster and we want to go fast in the direction that we want to go again paraphrasing but um he's big on that boat he is yeah captain captain arteta um of the good ship arsenal one of the things you know that you mentioned where when it comes to tactics i think he can be quite vague and he can be quite vague on many aspects of what's going on at the football club for example he's asked today this is the first press conference that he's held in five or six weeks whatever it is so he's asked obviously about gabriel jesus and suggestions that he could be out till february says no 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 i never gave a date that's not the words i used uh it's difficult to put a time frame uh, I prefer not to give any dates, right? So even something like injury news, what have you, he can be really, really guarded about what he says. But when it comes to transfers, when it comes to recruitment, he's way more open and way more specific about what he would like and what he expects. So we've had examples in the past where he talked, you know, in the last window about more firepower. When things weren't going quite as well, he talked about the need to uh, raise the level of the squad. And the only way that that can be done is via the transfer market. And even today, he talks about how we're going to be active. Active always means looking to strengthen the team. This squad still doesn't have the luxury of not maximizing every single window. And we have to do that because it's really important. And then the quote that came out of the Carragher thing, when he's talking about the squad size, he's talking about being able to pick a a different team in midweek for the Europa League games and then a consistent side for the weekend in the Premier League. He said, we are going to have to have more resources and more players to be able to do that. Um, It is the one thing that he is really upfront about when you compare it to many of the other aspects of of management that he's uh, questioned on. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it is that what he's saying in public there is something he's obviously conveyed behind closed doors to the management. Mm. It's not like this is a the first time the Cronkies have heard that Arsenal need to be active and that he's urging them to to get their checkbook out. I sure. mean, they've been backing him in the transfer market as he's wanted for the last few windows, I would say. Um, 
but it is interesting. I guess on a psychological level, if you're one of the existing squad and you hear that we're still short and all the rest of it, does that kind of give you a, a bit of a rocket up the arse or kind of keep you on your toes because mm. you know that you're never going to be, you know, completely safe being at Arsenal? There's no opportunity to rest and, uh, you know, relax. You need to be on it. That could be something um, in terms of the players that we've already made contact with. You know, maybe there's a subliminal message to those guys with whom we're already having conversations. You know, this is what we want. This has got, it, you know, it's got to be a player who makes a difference, this kind of thing. I don't know. There are lots of different ways you could potentially look at it or read it. And maybe some of them I'm over reading it. But um, yeah, I mean, he's he is curiously open about it in a way that, let's say, Arsene Wenger never was. Mm. I guess Arsene always treated the money like it was not his money whereas Arteta's like well it's, if the funds are there this is what we've got to do yeah um, so yeah it takes a bit of getting used to after 22 years of Arsenal but I mean yeah I mean it's, it's fine it's what he wants to do whether or not it counts for or against us in the transfer market I don't I don't really know I mean it's um I, yeah I often think that's overblown you know the idea oh, that okay. if you tell people you want a player you know the price goes up by x I, I think that's kind of um often overblown yeah, I mean, at this stage, I would imagine that most of the conversations that we want to have have been mm. had with potential targets. And, you know, unless there was an emergency and we had to spin something really quickly, yeah. in which case I'm not sure this would necessarily be applicable as a damaging take. Do you think our position as a football club at the top of the table and with him having brought us there, do you think that gives him a bit more mm, oomph, if you like, to sort of speak about this kind of thing because it's one thing for a manager who's finished eighth two times in a row to say we need better players because you know that's that's pretty obvious um but if you're Mikel Arteta right now and I think last season and this season will have gone a considerable distance to changing the way that people think about Arteta as a manager and as a coach you know, there was all there were there were questions, and I understand the questions, and I can see why there were questions. But you would never be sitting there going, oh, "I'm a bit worried now that one of the one of the big clubs might come and try and pinch Mikel Arteta away from us." But as soon as you get a team going the way he's got one going, that that um, looks like it's capable of mounting a title challenge. Whether we hang on, I don't know, of course, but. We're playing good football. It's a young team. It's an exciting team. Um, you can see how there's so much more room for uh, development and for it to grow. Do you think if you're the Cronkies, for example, you're thinking to yourself, maybe, you know, we kind of got to give this guy what he wants because if he doesn't get it here, chances are he could get it somewhere else and there'd be yeah. clubs interested in him and I know he just signed a new contract, so this is purely hypothetical. I just, I just wonder about that aspect of it now because it is different to make those. Uh, I don't demands is the wrong word, you know what I mean? But to to say the things that he said when you're top of the table, it is different from when you're um, sort of mid tableish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I don't doubt that there are clubs. And look, he now has history with three of the biggest clubs in the world as a player with PSG, as a player with Barcelona, as a former coach at Manchester City. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, those are not three sharks you want circling around your, your club, uh, <laughs> trying to snatch your manager. You know, yeah. been, in that, been in that situation before and it can be unsettling. Um, at the same time, I don't in any way, shape or form doubt Arteta's uh, sort of belief and no, desire me, me to, to see through his... You know, this project is everything to him at the moment. I think he realizes that, you know, if this is a this is a passion project more than anything. You know, he, he feels a genuine connection with the club, and I think, uh, yeah, he needs to make it work. I, I, I think the Cronkies are, I think the the Cronkies situation is a really interesting one because we don't really know what they're thinking at this point. They were obviously as up for the Super League as the mm. Americans at Manchester United, as the Americans at Liverpool. Yeah. And those guys are, you know, jumping ship. Maybe they look at this opportunity that, you know, and the Glazers, yeah, Glazers and the Henrys. Um, 
maybe they're looking at this as a, a sort of opportunity to maximise, you know, Arsenal's potential worth in the you know in the market over the course of the next couple of years because there's a there's a void to fill right Chelsea aren't quite there off the back of their changeover mm. um, there's an opportunity for Arsenal to to go big and if they put some money in now maybe they'll make all of that money back and more from a potential buyer in a couple of years time I don't know it's really hard to to, to read yeah. their 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 situation but I, this I, potentially something there. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't sort of saying that Arteta was going, you know, back me or else kind of thing. I just think that if you are in a position that we're in and you're the guy who's, you know, gone a long way to get us there, when those words come out, and like, don't get me wrong, I think he would say the same thing if we were in third place or fourth place or second place, you know, I think he would because it's obvious what he's saying, that this is a squad that needs a bit more depth to be able to cope and everything else. But I just feel like it gives you a little bit more... I don't know, a little bit more weight when you're talking about this kind of stuff um, going well, the into The other thing is there's, there's a genuine title challenge yeah. potentially on, on the cards here. And if you're an owner of a club, even if you're one who said in the past you wouldn't get involved in football if you wanted to win trophies, you must be tempted to kind of throw, well, actually, there's a real opportunity to do what we've done at some of our other franchises, yeah. whether that's, you know, win the Super Bowl or win the uh, Stanley Cup and what have you. So... Uh, yeah, I think I, I, I'd i be motivated if I were the Cronkies. I think uh, I'd be motivated by what I see from Arteta. Uh, why not reward him? I mean, I think the new deal was, a you know, was timely and useful and everybody was happy with it. And mm. go give him the tools. Go give him the tools to get the job done now. How much do you think that, um, I was going to say publicised, it wasn't really publicised, but of course you can't do anything anymore anywhere because everyone's got a camera and someone will see you somewhere. And we know that uh, Mikel Arteta and Tim Lewis and Edu were in the States to meet with, with Stan and Josh Kroenke. How much confidence does that give you that January, like they're going to really try and do something this January? Because if it was a case that like, now nah, we're not giving you any more money. There's no money available in January that's a conversation they could have on their WhatsApp group or, you know, mm. remotely. Whereas going to meet the ownership, putting their heads together, coming up with a plan, understanding what the financial boundaries perhaps are, you know, what is their budget? What can they do? Um, you know, what, what, what are they capable of doing in the market and how far they will be backed by the ownership? That sounds like the kind of thing that you would definitely do in person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know that Arteta went and did a, a jaunt over to the States in last January, didn't he? Mm. Um, it was a very quick one. It seemed a little bit more like what kind of a decision are we making with Aubameyang rather than mm. who we're buying. But I think, yeah, I think in-person relationships are very, very important. It helps build trust. You get a better idea of who it is that you're working with. And um, I mean, Look, I, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if 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 any consummate business owner didn't want to have regular contact with their uh, board of directors and the people managing their asset. It makes sense. I do, I do think that a lot of it is also Arteta is absolutely seems absolutely fascinated right now with this learning from other sports thing, which mm. is another thread that kind of ran through the the Carragher interview, but one that's also kind of floated out into the public domain via the Eddie Jones. Uh, uh, quotes that that came up a couple of months ago, and the fact that he's part of these uh, chats with 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 other elite coaches from various different sports, and I think if you've got access to those coaches via the five franchises that the Cronkies have, I think it's five, um, then maybe there was yeah. you know, some some invitation some invitations and some meet and greets and some kind of you know introductions made on 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 that as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it makes sense for Arteta to try and maximise those contacts as well. So it works two ways. He talked about the kind of player he wanted. He said, we want to get the right profile, the right player, and a player that is really going to impact the team and take us to the next level. That's quite a thing to say when your team is top of the table and has probably been the best team in England this season so far. I know there's a long way to go, but to take the team to the next level, another level, whatever you want to call it, that's got to be... A hell of a player or does he mean maybe that this is a player that can bring something that we don't already have oh, I mean Jesus brought us something we didn't already have I mm -hmm. think that's a next level game changing player I think you could 
it's harder to argue that with Zinchenko while the injury issues are so you know uh, are so frustrating. But Saliba's done that, I guess. Like if you can find another player who can impact your team to the same degree that they have in such a short space of time, hit the ground running. I mean, that's that's everything you could possibly want. I don't think it's anything. I don't think it's that different from stuff he said in the the past. I mean, you always want to sign players mm. better than the ones you had. I mean, it would be completely pointless exercise if you deliberately did, signed. Did it the other way around, yeah. <laughs> the yeah, other way around. No Although we have done that in the past, um, <laughs> perhaps not quite, you know, deliberately. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that, that 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 completely makes sense. I like the idea of him laying down the gauntlet to, to whoever comes in as well, just like, you know, we're going to go all out for you, but you've got to, you've got to deliver the goods. Yeah. Believe in you. Um, so yeah, uh, it remains to be seen who that target is. Obviously we're not entirely sure aside from David Ornstein talking about the Mihailo Mudrik fella and, mm-hmm. um, presumably given what he's talking about in terms of, uh, short of resources, it's going to be more than one player that we target. Uh, I take, you know, I keep taking or making the assumption that it's going to be another midfielder, and I think maybe that's with one eye on El Nenny maybe leaving in the summer potentially. Mm. Um, you know, just kind of looking a little bit further ahead. Granite being another year older, it's an area of the field with Thomas Party's injury history that I think we probably need to to bring some depth in. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 interesting. There's there's very little kind of substantive uh, rumours on on that front. Yeah. Uh, the midfield front, yeah, is really quiet. But of course, you know, given the age of El Nani, Shaka, Partey, like they have to be thinking about the succession plan at some point. Whether it's this month, I'm not sure really that, that January will be a midfielder month. I think it might be it might be the winger, it might be the firepower, it might be someone like Modric who who gives you this lightning pace and, you know, goals and assists and and everything else. Uh, but I'll I'll be very interested to see what they do and when they do it, you know, because there is a lot of football to play. There's a lot of football to play. And without Jesus, giving the squad a boost going into some of the difficult games in January seems like it would be a good idea from a psychological point of view. I know it's not as easy as that. I know you can't just get things done when you want to get them done. But, I mean, do you expect something to happen quickly? Or is this a, you know, this is a, this is such a weird month because I don't think... A, we've never had this break for a World Cup, right? B, we don't know what the impact of the World Cup break is going to have on players. And I don't just mean for the players who are who are at the World Cup and have come back. A lot of these guys have had like a midweek or a mid-season break. Um, they've played some friendlies to get themselves back up to speed. But it wouldn't surprise me if during January... You know, we saw a record number of little aches and niggles and muscle strains and tweaks and all that kind of stuff, not just at Arsenal, but across the Premier League. And that might then also drive demand in in the transfer market as well. So I'm asking you an impossible question there. So I retract it uh, because, you know, how the (laughs) hell would you know? But I do think it's going to be a weird month. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, in today's press conference, Arteta also pointed out that there's a load of clubs who sacked managers before the uh, before the World Cup who are going to be looking at the January transfer window as an opportunity for them to mm. you know, bring in players who uh, you know will, will, will you know help them implement the plans that they have. So he thinks it obviously is going to be quite competitive. Um, I think. Yeah, I, I think there could be a fair bit more business done in this window than usually happens. I think there'll be some players who start at the World Cup, maybe players that people didn't really know mm. about who uh, suddenly find themselves able to move super quickly. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's um, so so little business seems to get done in January that isn't usually panic buying. That, yeah it's unusual to have such a long build up to it uh in terms of doing business early i mean given our striker situation i am absolutely paranoid about you know enketia getting a knock because if he does then you you are you are so short i mean yeah um there is nobody else in the squad who has those particular qualities uh the only other guy is on loan in france and he's doing quite well but i just can't see us no. kind of enacting a kind of emergency recall option on Balogun. So, uh, and even then, I mean, Jesus, he's a 
kid who's still learning his trade and that would be a hell of a lot of pressure to to dump on him at this time of his development uh so you're saying you think it's it's relatively important that we give ourselves depth as quickly as we can I, I, yeah absolutely i mean I, I i i it would it wouldn't take much to kind of knock us a little bit right now mm. i know that we've got a lot going for us and i i feel that Arteta's is confident he thinks all the players have come back in good nick and it's all okay and everything but from a supporter perspective i think a timely boost with a with a new player something to just kind of get the emirates jumping and on its you know if i'm feeling nervous that means i'm sure there are other people feeling nervous and that can very quickly transfer itself to the to the pitch if if we sure. can keep the positive energy around the whole club going and i think a signing a particularly a big signing could probably do that um especially if it's one that actually makes a difference on the pitch quickly then then that actually could just give us a yeah a nice little nudge to kind of kickstart that this this what is going to be an absolutely manic period well that that was going to be my final question um like kickstart momentum pick up where you left off all those kinds of things that we all want to see happen but you know saying it and doing it are, are very different things of course um I don't think it's only a challenge for Arsenal, though. I know we had tremendous momentum. Some clubs might have gone into the World Cup and said, thank fuck there was a World Cup break. We can just sort of sit back, assess, you know, get ourselves going again, and, you know, off we go. But, you know, for us, I think it was ill-timed. Nevertheless, there is still that physical aspect of it, and teams that haven't played together for, you know, four or five weeks can sometimes take a bit of time to to get going again. So is that like the most um, important part of this is just trying to find that momentum straight away? I think three points by hook or by crook against West Ham is just so important. Mm. Um, I'm expecting it to be a real struggle. I mean, West Ham... like all the clubs coming back, they're going to be like desperate to make a mark. I mean, they've been able to draw a line under what for them was not a very good first half of the season. Mm-hmm. They haven't had a huge amount of players go away. They'll be chomping at the bit really to to, to do Arsenal over league leaders. They sure. know exactly. They'll have looked at everything that we've done in the first half of the season. They'll be trying to figure out how is it that we can you know minimise the the Arsenal effect. Um, yeah, I mean uh, the first two games actually kind of seem really really important because then you look at what comes up in january Mm. and you're kind of like if you don't go into that period with momentum it doesn't take very long to to suddenly go oh god you know that five point gap is suddenly you're chasing and you've got people up your backside and yeah um yeah i mean what have we got and we've got newcastle who are obviously on a terrific run we've got spurs we've got manchester united yeah that's that's a that's a january there's a lot going on isn't there yeah yeah, there's a lot going on. So, yeah, I'm. Uh, we've got it. We've got to start fast. Arteta knows that. I mean, he know, he's been talking about it to the player. He knows the players know. Everyone knows that we've got to start fast. And I think he'll be hoping for a kind of raucous Boxing Day, drunken, <laughs> loud crowd and atmosphere to 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 get things going again. Because I think the players might need the crowd's help. Well, fingers crossed. So basically what you're saying is everybody needs to get pissed up and Larry before they go to the Emirates on, on Monday night, yeah? Yes, okay. absolutely. All right. But behave. Behave, behave. yeah. Don't, yeah, we don't, want to, we don't want any of this to come back and bite us in the eyes. <laughs> All right, we'll see what happens. Andrew, thank you very much. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Merry Christmas to you. See you soon, I hope. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thank you very much indeed to Andrew. You can find him on Twitter. He is at A Allen Sport at A Allen Sport. So, football is back. And as ever, we will have a preview podcast of the West Ham game over on Patreon. That's happening on Saturday. I'm like one of Santa's elves working fucking overtime at Christmas. But no, that will be there for you guys on Patreon. If you want to sign up and support everything that we do on Arsblog, you can do it at patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. Costs a fiver a month. You get access to all the content that's there, exclusive podcasts that we do every week. And uh, it helps, as we say, support everything that we do on the site. James and I will be here on Tuesday with an Arscast Extra looking back on whatever happens against West Ham. And for now... It remains only for me to wish you and yours, if you are celebrating, a very, very Merry Christmas. I hope you eat well and drink well and look after each other. And that goes for you guys that don't celebrate Christmas too. Look after each other, eat well, drink well, take care, and we will catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. Following the universal acclaim in which the sprinkly salt meat wanker, known as Salt Bay, is held, Arsenal Football Club have today announced a partnership with Pepper Pang. He's as hot as his corns. Peppercorns, that is. Chief Marketing Officer Strungeon Foodcart said, We believe people like salt and pepper. All we can say is, don't push it. Ha <laughs> uh. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.